Hello, and welcome to Haunted Hometowns with me, Blake Lambert-Hack, your weekly true crime paranormal podcast. And this season, I am bringing you cases and ghost stories from Venezia, Italy. And I have a really great one today. We're going to be talking about the monk Giordano Bruno and his life, because he still haunts Venice today. So we're going to take it back to 1592 when a nobleman, Giovanni Moncenigo, offered famous philosopher and monk, Giordano Bruno, a job in Venice, Italy for eight months to learn the secrets of the art of memory. That's right. If you didn't know how to memorize, Giordano Bruno's got your back. However, historians also believe that Giovanni had some interest in alchemy and magic. Speaking of magic, are we watching House of Dragons and Rings of Power? Both gorgeous shows. The Rings of Power, or yeah, Rings of Power is really, honestly, like, so stunning to watch. I am obsessed, and I'm very interested to see where it's headed. House of Dragon, on the other hand, I was giving it some time, but it is rather, it is boring. I hate to say it, but it's boring. I mean, I think the issue is that in Game of Thrones, there's so many people and so many plot points that you're jumping around. So even if it's just talking the entire episode, you have so many different things going on. You have to focus so hard on everything. And so it keeps your interest. Whereas House of Dragon, we're only focusing on three people, really. The king, his brother, and his daughter. And that's it. So it the pace is very slow because we haven't really gone anywhere. I mean, we went hunting that one episode and we fought a little battle on some beach another episode but that was about it and so this whole last episode was dedicated to her losing her virginity which is a made-up thing anyway and there was no action i mean there was action in the bedroom between the princess and her knight in shining armor which was kind of hot but other than that not feeling it but we'll see I'm obviously going to keep watching it, but hopefully it gets a little better. Anyway, Giordano, amazing memory, had some tricks up his sleeve, and so Giovanni wanted to learn some of that. But he probably f- refrained from mentioning mentioning all everything he wanted to learn, like the magic and the alchemy, in fear of the Roman Catholic Church, because at the time, of course, they were super in control of Italy. Now, Giordano Bruno, before we get started into his life, 
those two words bring up very important topics. A. Giordano. I'm from Chicago. I can't not talk about Giordano's pizza. Third best deep dish there is behind Lou Malnani's and Gino's East. You can come for me if you want, but New York pizza is not it. It's so huge and flimsy. I can't deal with the thin crust. Give me a stacked layered pizza. Extra cheese, please. Thank you. Secondly, Bruno. I taught the 2021-2022 season in elementary and middle schools, and I cannot tell you the amount of times Encanto was brought up, and I had to listen to that song featuring Bruno. And I'm not going to sing it, otherwise Disney's going to come for me. But you know what I'm talking about, and it will always be ingrained in my mind now. It's a great movie, don't get me wrong. But having second graders sing it to you every day, all week, I've had enough. But anyway, we're going to take it back and get into these two men's lives. First of all, Giovanni Montenegro. Montenegro is a was a very famous, well-known family in Venice, Italy. They produced seven doges, so they really had a lot of say and power in the community. Now, as I've talked a lot on this podcast, back in the day, there weren't many names. We got a lot, depending on where we are in the world, we got a lot of Georges in one area. Tonight, we have more than one Giovanni, though I'm not going to talk about the other Giovanni, but it is good to know that um, Giovanni Serdi Montenegro Jr. was a doge of Venice from 1478 to 1485, whereas our Giovanni Zuan Montenegro wasn't born until 1531, long after the doge was dead. And... They are part of the same family, but I just want, if you're going to do research after this or look them up or whatever, make sure you're looking up Giovanni Zuane Montenegro. Same family, produced seven doges for Italy over the years, for Venice, Italy. But Giovanni Zuane Montenegro was in the Venetian Navy and was specifically noticed for his efforts in the Naval Battle of Lepanto in 1571. That naval battle is noted as having the most casualties, most naval casualties in one day. That's as much as we know about Giovanni's life outside of Giordano. Giovanni, I could talk about his family members because, again, they were doges and there was a lot written about them and stuff, but our Giovanni was in the wars, and that was about it. Reaped the benefits of his family's wealth, hung out in Venice until Giordano came into his life, and then he became infamous. But we'll get into that a little later. Now, Giordano. Also, Giovanni lived in a palace in Campo San Samuel. Again, we'll come back to that. Anyway. Giordano, on the other hand, was a celebrated philosopher, 
mathematician, poet, cosmologist, not cosmopolitan, cosmologist, uh, which is the study of nature of the universe. And he studied the hermetic oculist, which is text about uh, astrology, medicine, pharmacology, alchemy, and again, magic. I wish I had a soundboard, so anytime I said magic, you'd get some noise like Disney magic or sci-fi magic or Harry Potter magic. Lord of the Rings magic. Um, Giordano proposed, and this is what he was most known for, he proposed that the stars were distant suns surrounded by their own planets and that these planets may have life of their own. He also believed the universe is infinite and could have no center. Now, if you think about it, we all, most of us already believe that. We've been taught that since we were growing up. There's many different galaxies that each have their own center sun, planets revolving, and it is silly to think that aliens don't exist somewhere out there. Like, we're the only people to ever live on a planet. That seems ridiculous. But back in the 1500s, that's insane. That's crazy. Of course, there's a handful of people that agree with Giordano, but it's not the common, you know, we're still very heavily in God's plan, if you will. But Giordano was originally born in the kingdom of Naples, which is on the west side of Italy, central Italy. He was born in 1548 and went to school in Naples where he was privately tutored in a monastery. At 17 years old, he entered the Dominican order at the monastery of San Domenico Maggiore in Naples, Napoli. Seven years later, so 24, he was ordained as a priest and became known for his memory traveling to Rome to demonstrate his pneumatic system for Pope Pius V, which is kind of a big deal. Whether you whether they think it's magic or it's skill or whatever the case may be, having Pope Pius or any Pope as your audience teaching them something is a big deal. So good on Giordano at 24, he's already killing it. And even though he was part of the monastic system, he had a passion for free thinking and reading forbidden books, which is a huge no-no because they're forbidden by the church. And so you can't be a monk under Catholicism and also read these books you're not supposed to read. And I do kind of relate it to the military in the sense that the U.S. military, you get free education if you join the military. And that's probably similar to what was happening at that time. If you wanted a good education, you became a monk. So 
even though he's free thinking, he wants this education. So he's like, okay, I'll sacrifice. I'll be a monk. That's fine. So at the time, thousands of books, thousands, were banned for inciting heresy as well as uh, secular books were also banned, a lot of them, if they went against the church. And it could be like the slightest thing. It didn't even have to be the subject of the book, but just anything that went against the church, banned. And it's unfortunate, but there's also fucking book banning these days and not by the church we're like fucking closing down libraries right now and it's insanity there's a whole new york times article about the spread of book banning and it's mainly here i'll quote uh, this article is by clara moses and she says Book banning attempts have grown in the U.S. over the past few years from relatively isolated battles to a broader effort aimed at works about sexual and racial identity. And people need to chill the fuck out. It's like when you go to a restaurant and your server asks you, do you have any allergies or dietary restrictions? And you respond or people respond, no, but I just really don't like onions. And it's like, okay, girl, then don't eat them. It's not you. That's not what I asked you. It's the same thing here. You don't have to read every book in the library. Pick the ones you want to read. Doesn't mean you have to tell other people that they can't read those books and limit what they want to learn or eat in a restaurant. It's annoying. I'm off topic, but there was a lot, again, thousands of forbidden books, and Giordano is like, I want to read them all. Why not? And again, this came down from the Roman Catholic Church. Books had to be cleared by the local ordinary if they even remotely concerned sacred scripture, theology, church history, morals, religion, etc. So if you wrote a book and any part of it talks about the church, it had to be cleared by the ordinary before it could be published. And there was a full-on index printed by the church so you knew what not to read. Notable authors included Victor Hugo, Galileo, sorry, I'm going to butcher some of these names, Magdalena Hemeris, who was the first woman on the list, Michel de Montaigne, Francis Bacon, Immanuel Kant, David Hume, John Locke, Nicholas Copernicus, Erasmus, and many, many more. And fun fact, Charles Darwin never was part of the band index, which is fascinating since he is known for his book, on the origin of species since he was a naturalist and i also was in an operetta reading of an opera about charles darwin's life or not about his life necessarily but about his journey writing that book it was fun i learned a lot but yeah he was never on the uh, band book list which is fascinating
Um, however, the index was officially abolished in 1966 by Pope Paul VI. But as we all know, that doesn't stop the church from telling you what you should and shouldn't consume. Because even though none of my friends are Catholic, to my knowledge, I know people who have been told not to watch certain movies because of some made-up reason. It's dangerous out there. Watch your back. Oh my god, I just finished the new League of Their Own TV show. I cried. I laughed. I cheered. Like, I fell in love with every single character. The best writing for women I've ever seen. The production was amazing. The acting was fantastic. If there's not a season two, I will be writing, just to make that clear. But there is a line, I think in the last episode, and I can't remember the exact words they said, but it was a queer person basically telling their sister that safe isn't always safe or their safe isn't your safe. And it was explained that because she was a straight woman and she's telling her sibling not to behave certain ways, that's more dangerous than living your true self. So safe to her is not safe to them. And it was, you need to watch it. The way they it was presented, it was extremely powerful. I got choked up. It was a whole thing. But yeah, it's dangerous out there. Keep an eye out. Anyway, eventually, Giordano Bruno was discovered annotating banned writings, uh, specifically by Erasmus, and he was translating it from Dutch to Italian. And the book he was translating was Defending Heresy. He was keeping his writings hidden in the bathroom. And when they were found by the monastery, he fled from Naples in fear of indictment. So remember, he's still a monk. He's living in the monastery and he's translating all these forbidden books. Bold. He fled north to the port city of Noli, Italy, then farther north to Turin, and finally west to Venice, since Venice at the time was the freest of all the cities in the northern regions, pretty much. So the unification of Italy didn't happen till 1871, so this is like long before that. At this point, each Italian region kind of ran themselves with influence from the Holy Roman Empire, though not all of what we know of Italy today was ruled by the Roman Empire. It's a long story. I'm not going to get into it. But Venice was the most liberal of the territories. So anybody who's anybody who wanted to read forbidden books, publish books, step out of the shadows, you know, you went to Ve you went to Venice. Giordano fled to Venice to publish his book, 
which was called On the Signs of the Times. And again, I don't know what a lot of these books I'm going to mention tonight are about because they're so old that they either don't have copies any longer or there's one copy and it's in bad condition. It's just, it's very difficult to find. But uh, his first book was On the Signs of the Times and he published it in Venice. After he published it, he moved to Padua, Italy and took up his religious habit again. So when he fled Naples, he wasn't really studying God, if you will. Uh, But after he published his book and moved to Padua, he was like, let me get back into this. Also, I'm sure he needed money and like, not that you get money from being a monk, but you know, they feed you, they bathe you, they give you a house, not a house, but a roof. After he was in Padua for a bit, he moved to Bergamo and then on to Léon, France. (laughs) Léon, France. (laughs) It's such... Sorry. Okay. Uh, And so basically he's just popping around all over the place. He's seeing the sights. And this this takes place around five years, I believe. And by 1579... He found himself in Geneva, which Geneva, Switzerland today, though I don't know who necessarily ruled over that area at the time. Maybe France, maybe, I don't know when Switzerland became a country, but he went to Geneva. At this point, historians believe Giordano Bruno left Catholicism and shifted to become a Protestant. And this isn't a theology class. I don't have any right to speak on religion. I, you know, I'm not in that world. But I do want to give you some, like, basic groundwork because it kind of is the reason why Giordano ends up where he does. But he's becoming Protestant because, in basic terms, he believed that Catholics... He believed what Catholics believed, but he didn't believe in the authority of the Pope. He believed in the authority of God, of course, but he didn't believe the Pope had any right to tell anybody what to do and what not to do. Only God had that right. And Protestant means to protest. So... Giordano was in touch with a group of people who were notable for helping Italian refugees in Geneva. So Italians trying to run away from the church or whatever they were running away from who ended up in Geneva, this group of people, I think they were called the Marchese de Vico, uh, but they would clothe them, feed them, house them, etc. Uh, they provided Giordano with new clothes, including a hat, cape, and sword, so he didn't look like a priest. You know, no robes. I kind of want a cape. A cape would be cute, no? There's some bomb-ass capes in House of Dragon and Ring of Powers. Like, I, there's some real good capes. New York Fashion Week. 
New York Fashion Week just happened and I wish I could have gone, but I was busy. I was busy at a drag festival all weekend called Bushwig, where I saw stellar fashion there as well. It's kind of sad it happens on the same weekend, but uh, New York Fashion Week, start introducing capes for spring, summer next year. Giordano was close with people who worked at the University of Geneva. And while he was, I believe he was working at the university, a professor published a book called Antone de la Fe. And again, I don't know, I don't think that anything about that book uh, is around today. So I don't know what it's about. But Giordano attacked the professor for his publication of that book and attacked in what way I'm not sure but Giordano was arrested I don't think it was physical I think he just attacked him publicly and you know like defamation style Giordano was arrested for that um, and then made friends with a painter in prison or in jail Jean Bergeron uh, and together, they were eventually released after a short period of time. But because of that, Giordano left Geneva and headed back to Leon, then scooted on over to Toulouse for a couple years. In Toulouse, he got his doctorate in theology and was elected to lecture in philosophy. Unfortunately, the area had religious unrest so he moved to Paris where he continued his lectures and gained notoriety in Paris. His memory skills that once attracted the Pope now attracted King Henry III who summoned Giordano and said quote Giordano said quote I got me such a name that King Henry III summoned me one day to discover from me if the memory which I possessed was natural or acquired by magic art, unquote. I mean, he's full of himself now. He's like, I got the king calling on me. I can do whatever the fuck I want. And good on him for knowing all these languages. Uh, he, uh, born in Italy, he knows Italian. He's traveled to France, several cities, so I'm sure he knows French well enough to live there. Especially back then when people weren't bilingual, trilingual, learning seven languages, you know? Italian, French, and then he was translating shit from Dutch. So, he, so we know he at least knows Dutch as well. So that's three languages. And then King Henry's talking to him, so he might know English as well. It's maddening. I don't know how. I tried. Y'all, I tried to learn different languages. I took Spanish in middle school and high school. I've taken Italian. I've taken French. I've taken German. I Obviously, English is my la main language. I've looked up the lyrics to Lilo and Stitch music, so I've looked up Hawaiian. I've done a little sign language. I've tried my darndest and I am not good at learning languages. It is. As you can probably tell, English is hard enough. Like I, it's a lot. It's a lot. 
I love to sing in different languages, but fluently learning another language is difficult. So because he met with the king and King Henry III and it all went swimmingly and the king and King Henry was kind of obsessed with Giordano at the time, Giordano was granted the right to publish another book called The Shadows of Ideas and he dedicated it to King Henry III as well as he also was given a paid lectureship job. In Paris... Giordano published more books on mnemonics and dedicated his books to powerful people with consent, which helped him raise to a popularity status that was hard to achieve. I mean, it's hard to achieve nowadays, but even back then, like to be protected by people like the Pope and King Henry III and not be within those families or under their tutelage or whatever, it's a big deal. I mean, he was smart to dedicate these famous, powerful people in different areas for, and I don't mean protection in like a fighting way. I mean like religious protection, job security, etc. So he dedicated a couple books to King Henry III, Sir Philip Sidney, Mikhail de Castelnau, I don't know who, I, I don't know what language that is, and uh, Pope Pius V. And in 1583, Giordano headed to England and lived in the French embassy where he lectured at Oxford. So he's fucking everywhere. He also published six of his greatest works in, in England and they were called the Italian Dialogues. And even though Giordano's thoughts and teachings were kind of controversial at the time, again, he's saying there's fucking people living on different planets out in the galaxy. It's nuts. They weren't the first time people believed in Earth spinning, which was a big deal, you know? At the time, they're like, Earth doesn't spin. Are you joking? The heavens spin. Which, on face value, makes sense. When you look up to the stars, they're constantly changing. So you're like, okay, the heavens are spinning. But Giordano's like, no, you idiots. The earth is spinning. Heavens are still. He also was preaching that the universe is infinite. And that alien life exists. However, that part was suggested by Nicholas of Cusa in 1440. But, you know, people are still calling Giordano crazy, so obviously that thought didn't stick. So Giordano was just helping it along as much as he could. And because he was getting increasingly controversial, he headed back to France but then soon headed to Germany for opposing Aristotle, for opposing his natural science theories. Now, everybody knows who Aristotle is. There are some people you just do not fight, especially at that time. Aristotle's one of them. Like Giordano was fighting so many different battles. It's like, sir, 
I agree with you for the most part, but it's like, maybe stick to one and don't piss off everyone. That's why he's been hopping around so often, because he's pissing people off left and right. He's got to go to another country. It's his fourth or fifth country at this point. Because in Germany, he became a professor again. Uh, This time a professor at Wittenberg. And then he moved to Prague in 1588, where he became a professor at Helmstead. He had to leave shortly after because he was excommunicated by Lutherans. The Lutherans were like, get the fuck out. So he's really, he doesn't know how to keep it cool. He doesn't know how to just chill. Just chill out, Giordano. I know, life is crazy. Just chill out, though. You're making Catholics mad. You're making, you're making Lutherans mad. Making Lutherans mad is hard when you're not Catholic. He's Protestant at this point. Giordano published more works, and while in Frankfurt, he received an invitation from Venetian Giovanni Zuane Montenegro. And Giordano wasn't completely sold on the idea. Remember, Giovanni was asking Giordano to come teach him about, you know, memory, possibly magic, whatever he wanted to teach him, astrology. He was just asking for a tutor, basically. And Giordano, again, wasn't sold completely on the idea. And so while he molded over, he moved to Padua to teach. And while in Padua, at the University of Padua, he was trying to become the head chairman of the mathematics position, but he had some competition. And unfortunately, Giordano didn't get the chair. Instead, Galileo Galilei got the chair, who we all know. Right, we're all taught about we're all taught about Galileo. Queen sings to us about Galileo. Astronomer extraordinaire. Who is from Pisa, Italy, by the way. So, without many other prospects, Giordano accepted Giovanni's request and moved back to Venice to privately teach the war hero. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be back for the rest of Giordano's life. We are back. Giordano has just moved back to Venice to teach Giovanni for eight months. He worked as an in-house tutor for Giovanni for about two months. In that time, Giordano would slip his teachings, his less than favorable ideas, hoping that Giovanni would 
grab onto them and, you know, follow Giordano into the sunset. But Giovanni's an ass and he's a nobleman. So he doesn't really buy into much of what Giordano is trying to tell him. At this point, it's like, Giordano, just keep your mouth shut. You don't got much street smarts, do you? Because you got to fool the rich and take their money, then move wherever you want to and spill as much tea about the world as you like. Come on, Giordano. But instead, you're trying to push these thoughts on people who don't want to even entertain the idea. And for those people, it's like, Leave him be. Get your money and go. Get it together. Fortunately, Giordano doesn't get it together. He was book smart. And Giovanni reported Giordano to the Venetian Inquisition. Who, if you listen to a previous episode, uh, the Inquisition were in charge of hunting down heretics and throwing them in prison over, like, the smallest, dumbest shit. And the Inquisition started in Rome, but then quickly spread to many other cities. And since, again, Venice was super liberal, the Inquisition flocked there to charge anyone not following the church and reading forbidden books or practicing anything that hinted at heretic tendencies, I guess. And right on cue, the Inquisition, the Inquisitors, every time I say Inquisitors, I only think of Star Wars. What TV show do they talk? Oh, I think it's Obi-Wan, the new Obi-Wan TV show. They're not, I mean, they're the evil people. They're the ones with the red lightsabers now after Darth Vader is killed. I can't remember who they work for, but they're all called Inquisitors. And I guess they did this a similar thing. I guess Star Wars stole the idea from real life. Huh. Look at that. But yeah, Inquisitors arrested Giordano in 1592 for blasphemy and heresy. Two charges that would be laughed at today in court. I mean, the amount of times the phrases God damn it and Jesus Christ are muttered in one hour alone, we'd all be in shitty Venetian prisons. And one main issue Giovanni had with Giordano's teachings was that Giordano believed in plurality of worlds. And boy, if Giovanni was alive today and could watch Ancient Aliens or take a ride on SpaceX, his mind would be blown. I don't think he could handle it. A meltdown, I'm sure. But Giordano knew better than to open up about all his beliefs at the trial, during which he would defend some positions that they accused him of. He would flat out deny others, and then some he would admit to having doubts, one of them being he had doubts about following someone, air quotes I used, 
following someone blindly, which is major shade to the Pope, because again, he doesn't believe that we should be following a human being. We should only be following the Lord, capital H-I-M, for all you Gaga fans. And I would, I just like picture real, I've been watching a lot of Real Housewives and just during the reunion, having them all sit there on the couch and Giordano shading the Pope like that. Amazing television. But instead of prison, the Inquisitors sent Giordano to Rome in 1593. The Venetian Inquisitors washed that man right out of their hairs and sent him on to Rome because they did not want to deal with it. They're like, we can't make up our decision. We can't make up our minds. Let, let's have Rome Inquisitors deal with it. That's where the churches, anyways, they can handle it. So Giordano was in prison for seven years years because that's how long his trial lasted seven years it's insane certain inquisitors would throw people into jail without even a trial so the fact that we're taking seven years to get this shit done it's exhausting and like again all i can think of is the sloths from zootopia everything takes so fucking long. It drives me crazy. So in Rome, the Inquisitors charged him with, and some of these are quite funny. Uh, number one, holding opinions contrary to the Catholic faith and speaking against it. Too vague. Number two, holding opinions contrary to the Catholic faith about the Trinity, divinity of Christ, and incarnation. I don't see how that's much different than the first one, but work. Number three, holding opinions contrary to the Catholic faith pertaining to Jesus as the Christ. So Giordano doesn't believe Jesus was the Christ. I'm not going to get into what all the details and the slight differences that Giordano believed, but that was one of them. And we'll talk more about that in a second. Number four, and this is my favorite. He was charged with holding opinions, contrary to the covenant, regarding the virginity of Mary, mother of Jesus. And this one fucking gets me. Mary is the queen of Khan. She got men thinking she never had sex and had a baby for thousands of years. No one can top that. People still fucking believe that she had a full-on human being come out of her and she didn't have sex. It's wild. And Giordano was straight up. He was like, that's not real. And that's also why he was like, Jesus isn't the Christ. Because there's... it's illogical and the church is like against magic and you're gonna tell me that's not magic then what is it's insanity number five holding opinions blah 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 that blood cannot turn into wine 
It can't. Giordano's right. Blood cannot turn into wine. Sorry. And vice versa, what's same with the bread. It can't. Again, it's magic. It's magic. And Catholics, they were so up in arms when Giordano spilled this. They were so mad at him. And it's like, girl, it's just one. It's some grapes. I am curious to know which grapes they drank, though. Some ancient, some ancient grapes. Was it Nebbiolo? I wonder. In Venice? Maybe. Barbera. If we're talking grapes, Barbera is my favorite red and Chardonnay is my favorite white. They're so fucking good. But it has to be an oaked Chardonnay, please. Oaked Chardonnay, please. Anyway, number six. Claiming there are other planets and that there may be life on said planets. Which again, I think you'd be a fool not to believe. You're going to tell me that there, and again, we know more now, but you're going to tell me that there are millions and billions of planets and not one of them has life on it. And I'm not saying we're going to have a quiet place or predator arrival, Lilo and Stitch moment, but maybe some bugs or microscopic organisms live in somewhere. Who knows? But to think we're the only ones? Foolish. Foolish. Xenon, girl of the 21st century, I bet she would agree with me. Foolish. Number seven. Believing in reincarnation or that your soul begins again in a new body or form. And again, I don't know why they're so mad about this. None of us know what happens when we die. Not one of us. People who die for a couple seconds and come back to life and they're like, I saw a light. It's like, yeah, but you still don't know what that light is. So why worry about it? If we are reincarnated, great. Clearly we won't remember. So whatever happens, happens. I'll cross that bridge when it comes. Wild. And eighth and finally, dealing with magic and divination And again, this is so funny because we just talked about how the Virgin Mary giving birth to a kid, if that's not magic, what is turning water into wine or blood into wine or whatever they did in the Bible, if that's not magic, what is walking on water, if that's not magic, what is come on. So charging Giordano with magic and divination Isn't that Harry Potter where they have divination class? Is that where Ron turns his cup into a tailed, his rat into a tailed cup? Is that divination? Can't remember. I need to rewatch those movies. Anyway. He obviously didn't have magic. He just had a good brain. That's about it. He was book smart. So during the trial, there was obviously a lot of back and forth between Giordano and the Inquisitors because Giordano wanted to preserve his religious beliefs. Remember, he's still a priest. He still believes in God. He's still deeply religious. 
but he still also believes in philosophy. And so when the Inquisitors told him he had to recant or die, which is a Sophie's choice for Giordano, ultimately Giordano was never going to recant. I mean, he wrote tons of books on his heretic views. There's no way he's going to turn... <laughs> There's no way he's going to deny all of that and praise, his, praise the Pope. Like, it's not going to happen. So on January 20th, 1600, Pope Clement VIII declared Giordano a heretic and issued a death sentence. And you know what? I bet it's because this Pope wasn't thanked in one of Giordano's books. Like, Pope Clement VIII... Don't be jealous of Pope Pius, however, whatever number Pope Pius was. Don't be jealous of him. I'm sure if you asked, Giordano would dedicate one of his new books to you. And after they sentenced Tim to death, Giordano had one last thing to say. And he responded brilliantly. Like, I don't think anybody could have anything better to say once you're being sentenced to death. And I'm going to read it in... Italian to the best of my ability, and then I'll translate it. But Giordano said, Meori for san cum timare sententiam in me fartis quam ego acipiam. Which means, perhaps you pronounced this sentence against me with greater fear than I receive it. He got them so fucking good. They're more scared of his scientific research and his philosophy and all of that being true than he is of them killing him. Which is just the God's honest truth. These people have so much fear in them. It's insane. So they want to control people so they're not... And it's not even founded fear. It's insanity. Insanity. Perhaps you pronounce this sentence against me with greater fear than I receive it. Oh, it's so good. And as I mentioned in my San Marco and Santadaro episode, Italians loved a good torture and humiliation before execution. So, in the Roman square Campo de Fiori, Giordano had his tongue imprisoned because of his wicked words, which I think it means they cut off his tongue. I don't know why they don't say things more simply, but yeah, I think his tongue was just cut off. Because imprisoned makes it seem like they attached a cage around his tongue. Or maybe they like pulled it out of his mouth and just like had it sticking out of his mouth. I don't know. But don't you think it would have just been easier to cut it off? They don't want him spewing his wicked words. After that, whatever they did to his tongue, he was hung upside down, naked. Which I guess to them is humiliation, but I, I think some people today would find it kinky. And finally, Giordano was burned at the stake on February 17th, 1600. His ashes were tossed in the Tiber River. And of course, all of his books were banned and placed on the Forbidden Index by the Church. 
but his sacrifice became a symbol for free thought and speech across the country. And in present day Rome, a memorial service takes place every year closer, close to where he was executed. There is also a nonprofit called Giordano Bruno Foundation that supports evolutionary humanism. There's a memorial award that is given to someone who has made a significant contribution to searching for extraterrestrial intelligence, which I love that. There's a crater on the moon named Giordano Bruno, and there's also a radio station in Sydney called 2GB after Giordano. And if you're in Venice, I would check out the Museum of Palazzo Montenegro. You may just run into Giordano Bruno. This is the building where Giordano taught and was accused by Giovanni Montenegro. And it's said that if you visit the museum on the day of Giordano's death, you'll see him wandering around. Any other day, you may see Giordano but he returns to cause issues with water. So like unexpected damages to pipes, valves open by themselves, screws that come loose inexplicably. And any of these incidences always happen around when Giordano was accused, arrested, or executed. And a lot of paranormal investigators believe that even though Giordano was killed in Rome, he returned to Venice because of water. And I kind of mentioned it in season one of the podcast that for some reason ghosts, there's a higher number of paranormal activity when there's a lot more water for some reason. So obviously Venice is a floating city. It's a bunch of islands. So there's a ton of water and maybe it's because Giordano was burned at the stake so he could use the hydration. Who knows? But if you want to see him looming about, check out the balcony of the room he stayed in. Also, you can check out the upper right window of the museum and you may see his face engulfed in flames. And for some odd reason, I still don't know why, Giordano is also said to be more likely to appear to women, specifically over the age of 85. So I guess I'm bringing my grandma on my trip to Venice. And that that wraps it up on the life and death and haunting of Giordano Bruno the Italian monk and philosopher. Thank you all for joining me this week. Please subscribe or follow so you don't miss when a new episode is uploaded. Please give a five-star rating so the podcast can reach more people and we can grow as this little ghost club. And check out Haunted Hometowns on social media for photos, guest info, and upcoming news. And please Send me those ghost stories so I can start reading them on the podcast. 
send them to hauntedhometownspodcast at gmail.com or DM the socials. Could be anything from a cow's spot looking like Cher to heavy footsteps running past you in the middle of the night but not seeing anyone or anything. Ask your mom, your grandma, your uncle, your boss, best friend, pet sitter, hairstylist, shoe shiner, mall person, flight attendant, anyone for their ghost story and send it my way. And I will be back in a week for another true crime paranormal case because everybody loves a ghost story. The music is by pop star Tyre, T-H-A-I-R. Find his music on any streaming platform. And follow him on Instagram at Queer Popstar. The artwork is by extremely talented painter, stylist, Pepe Munoz. Follow him on Instagram at p.e.p.e.munoz, M-U-N-O-Z. Got my information from a blog by Monica Cesarato, Wikipedia, Hotel Indigo, and Rossi Writes. <laughs>